Welcome to the Golden Bro Awards for 2023. I am Michael Newman. I am Trey Newman. Michael, all the stars, you see, they're all lining up on the red carpet out here. They are. They are. It is <laughs> a wonderful night. This is the, uh, the seventh annual Golden Bro Awards, and the winners were determined by me and Trey. We each submitted a, a top three list for each category, and if there was a tie, which there were a few, we had the patrons decide in the Discord, so thank you to the patrons for their votes, and uh, why don't we just get right into it, get into the first award here. All right, let's start with which team had the nation's best offense? For me... I, I didn't even really need to look at anything here. I already knew who I was going with. I did end up, you know, looking at some stats just to have, just to back it up. But I went with LSU. Uh, when you look at their success rate on, so on, on collegefootballdata.com, you can look at, they, they have a chart that shows the, every team in the nation. And you can, uh, it shows that by logo. And so you kind of just have yeah, a yeah. look at the whole plot and, Two teams were way ahead of everybody else, kind of off on their own in terms of success rate. And it was LSU and Oregon. So I had them 1-2. LSU was just more explosive uh, offensively than Oregon. LSU had 8.3 yards per play. No one else has had even eight uh, since OU in 2018. So thought it was an easy choice. Yeah, having the Heisman winner is uh, helpful too. Uh, I also looked at... Uh, Looked at Oregon, but but LSU was just more balanced because they did it so heavily through the air and on the ground. Led the nation six point two yards per carry, didn't turn it over. So the Golden Bro for best offense goes to LSU. All right, big surprise there. Uh, yeah. Which team had the nation's best defense? All right, so i I ended up settling on on Michigan. They they led the nation. Uh, with giving up just over 10 points per game and you know looking through the playoff the national title and playoff really kind of validated it for me just they were the way they got to Michael Penix just harassed them yeah. like like no one no other defense had been able to do all year uh, really in a couple years they forced a lot of turnovers I looked up so they only gave up 247 yards per game if you looked at the last 10 years only Wisconsin in 2021 was better so Jesse Minner's defense was was incredible. Yeah, there were there were a lot of teams in the Big Ten that you could uh, yeah you, you could consider here. There were four really that you could realistically make a case for: Michigan, um, Penn State, Ohio State, and Iowa. Uh, but I also went with Michigan. I thought they were the the best defense in the country. Like you said, proving it, especially in that national title. That was the the Joe Moore Award winning offensive line for Washington and. Michigan's defense made them look pretty bad. So, uh, yeah, easy, easy choice. Yep, the Golden Bro for defense goes to Michigan. And it's funny about Penn State. Like, if they had a better offense and just kept the defense off the field a little bit more, Penn State could have could have easily won yeah. this. But Penn State was my second choice. I had Clemson third. They were, you know, okay. didn't have a great year offensively, but defense was really good. Yep. All right. Which team had the best offensive big uglies? I guess you could call this the the Joe Brewer Award. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I don't, what? Do, how did you say it? Boar? 
or broar 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 maybe we should do that next year just really force it joe broar uh so the joe broar i went with oregon um i think you know washington's performance in that national title game certainly didn't help their case uh, but Oregon, so number one in the nation in rushing success rate, number five in yards per rush, and they were also number one in the nation in sack percentage allowed. So 1.04%. I think that's yeah. maybe sacks divided by pass attempts. Um, and the next closest was Washington, but they were they were like double the rate. So yeah. it's pretty crazy. Oregon just, it, part of it is they, they do get rid of the ball quickly in that offense, but still, I mean, that offensive line really good they recruit really well of course dating back to cristobal that whenever they have a hole they plug it in the transfer portal and so that offensive line was excellent yet again they were and they had jackson powers johnson won the remington award so they were uh they were legit but i was kind of like you oregon and washington were up up at up top were they up top for you yep oregon washington and michigan okay but uh through in lsu Okay, the golden bro for best offensive big uglies, unanimous, goes to Oregon. Uh, moving on to which team had the best defensive big uglies? Yeah, I uh, didn't didn't put a, a whole lot. I just kind of like was looking more at Michigan and Texas uh, at the top of my list, and I, I had a hard time kind of deciphering because each guy, each team had some some big fellas up front that were impactful. Which way did yeah. you were you leaning? We both we both ended up going the same way. I I went with Michigan uh, as well. I did look at your ballot to to tabulate oh. it. We didn't. Ernst and Young wasn't available this year, so <laughs> I had to do it. But uh, yeah, I mean, so uh, again, that national title game. If we're if you're looking for a tiebreaker, the way that yeah. Michigan's defensive line performed against Washington compared to what Texas did the game before. Um, Washington or Michigan was able to get pressure, right? Like they have the, I, I wouldn't say Michigan's interior maybe quite would match up with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, but you know, pretty close with Mason Graham, Chris Jenkins, Kenneth Grant, like they're deep and they had the edge, the edge on the edge compared to Texas with Josiah Stewart transfer coming in from coastal Carolina had a, a good year and yeah, just, just good depth overall. So they, uh, they're, had the best defense in the country defensive line was a big part of it but uh but yeah you could go with texas clemson was the third one on my ballot yep so they the golden bro for best defense of big uglies obviously goes to michigan and, and mason mason graham he was kind of probably that breakout star in the playoff for for that defense at least up front mm-hmm. all right who was 2023's surprise team this one is always tough. I yeah, I have I don't know a list of probably like fifteen teams here. Wow, I, let's just go no, through all of let's, FBS from good to worst. That's pretty much what I did. Okay, I'll go through the list. Why don't I just list all of them? I had <laughs> oh my gosh, Missouri, Texas State, James Madison, Arizona, Washington, UNLV, Miami of Ohio, New Mexico State, Liberty, Rutgers, Northwestern, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, USF. Uh, I think that's all I had there. But uh, ultimately, I went with New Mexico State as my number one because they were 126th in preseason SP+. Their season win total was set at five, and they ended up winning 10 games, nearly one Conference USA. Who knows if Diego Pavia doesn't get hurt in the the, uh, 
They weren't in the national title. They weren't quite that good. But Dang, in the, they would have if they won the Conference USA title. Yeah, if they would have beat Liberty, then uh, then maybe they would have made it. But uh, yeah, they, they ended State. up sixty. Sorry, definitely would have got in over Florida State. Oh, that's oh well, yeah. Of course. I mean, Pavia is healthy, so they're, they're yeah, exactly. Uh, but they're sixty sixth in uh, ESPN's efficiency metrics. So that was a pretty huge jump compared to what you thought they were going to be. I, I totally agree, though, on the fact there were so many teams and ways to look at it. Uh, Northwestern is a another good option just because mm. oh, it was yeah. to be just dreadful. I think you said that. Oh, did I they say were, them? Okay. Uh, you did. You did. I just was. I'm picking out one or two that i also thought too well, Kyle, like, why don't you give some new ones that i didn't name trey uh well yeah exactly <laughs> um i know but i'll i'll start with just arizona um their win total was around five they ended up going 10 and three if you obviously if you count the the bowl game alamo bowl win over oklahoma um and they were so close to even being better they they lost in overtime at mississippi state by seven to washington had a triple overtime crushing loss to usc so, and like the other element of the surprise was Noah Fafita came out of nowhere because you know Jaden Delora started the year and then Jed Fish he didn't really know he had kind of been trending up but boom to go from like one win to five wins to ten that was just out of nowhere yeah that's a good one and the golden bro for the 2023 surprise team did go to Arizona yeah moving on to the Lou Broza award for the nation's best kicker Graham Nicholson, Miami of Ohio, you know, he he led the nation 96%, only missed one kick. And I like that. I like to look at how they do on some of those longer kicks. He was 10 yeah. of 11 from 40 or more. Uh, so went with him. I went with him as well. I think I think he was kind of a somewhat clear choice. Uh, Will Reichert, of course, from Alabama, was 5 for 5 from beyond 50, which is pretty crazy. But That's he missed really the- good. Missed three shorter ones, so I don't think the the five for five quite makes up for it. So we had yep. the, we had the same number one, Joe Paisano. Shout out UNLV. He had some clutch 29. kicks too. He made a, a I know of one game winner against Vandy. Might have had another one. Yeah, he was he was clutch. Uh, yeah. So the Golden Bro for the Lou Broza goes to Graham Nicholson of Miami, Ohio. They Congrats. were one of your other surprise teams. Yeah, that's okay. right. They were one of the twenty. <laughs> who was 2023's breakout player i mean i had 15 players on this list uh-huh yeah right of course no i did i do did <laughs> you really yeah oh no <laughs> all right let's do it let's do it right, go roll it taj brooks texas tech noah fafita arizona rocco beck to iowa state preston stone smu shadur sanders colorado Jalen Milrow, Alabama, Luther Burden, Missouri, Ricky White, UNLV, Elijah Surratt, JMU, uh, Xavier, Xavier Lajette, oh. South Carolina, yeah. Quentin Cooley, Liberty, Cody Schrader, Missouri, Jay Higgins, Iowa, and then to my top three. Well, number <laughs> one, so this number one, I put Jaden Daniels. I didn't feel great about it, and I'm happy wow. that he didn't, he didn't end up winning because it's like, does he no. qualify? Is the question because he was already a well-established like, good player i, I but, see your angle but, he, but last year he was so good as it was okay but like nowhere near this good. i know but he was like he was lsu's offense last year i know but he also threw i agree like 17 like, touchdowns or something i agree it was like obviously next level but but you're right I, so or i don't know if you're right or not but i'm oh, I, I am it does 
it does feel better that he didn't win actually yes. so because it's not a He's classic breakout because we already know him so so maybe i'm i'm wrong there so but anyway uh well who did you have number one? Oh well i didn't i didn't i, I missed two and three yeah, I, got a, I named like 15 guys ollie <laughs> gordon and uh jalen green for for J, uh, james madison oh yeah he, did you yeah. stay oh yeah. go ahead he had 15 and a half sacks and he got hurt in early November. So he was second in the nation in sacks and only yeah. nine games. That's so, yeah, it's crazy. Did uh, you, since you rifled through every FBS player, did you mention uh, Carson Beck or Noah Fafita? I did Noah Fafita, but not Carson Beck. But I, I could have. Like, I have to draw the line somewhere. But, right. Yeah. I see that. Well, no. So I had, so I had Ollie Gordon number one. Um, you know, just a sophomore burst onto the scene midway through the year. He was stacking those huge performances kind of briefly in the Heisman race. Uh, he led the nation in rushing and, and he was big in the passing game. But I also had Carson Beck because you just didn't know what to expect out of Georgia's offense after losing Stetson Bennett. You obviously knew there was talent in the quarterback room, but the offense, you know, it's been good, of course, but it hasn't been the true calling card for Georgia. They wrote it this year. Carson Beck was third in the nation in passing yards like he led the sec in a number of categories i didn't necessarily see that coming this year Mm -hmm. well the golden bro for the breakout player goes to ollie gordon oklahoma state pretty good going from 308 rushing yards last year to leading the nation in uh 2023 not bad and it didn't even play much in the I mean, he played a little bit, but he wasn't uh, the bell cow in the first few games of the season. Yeah, the first three games he had like next to nothing. Uh, who deserves the Chuck Brodnarik Award for the nation's top defensive player? All right. Well, you touched on Jalen Green earlier. That that's a, a great candidate here. Um, but I, I I was up top with Peyton Wilson, NC State, kind of more of a career award, I guess. Career stud uh, this year, top ten in tackles. He he just did it across the board. He had six sacks. Defend uh, six passes defended, impressive for a linebacker. Three picks, forced to fumble. Like he was the leader of that NC State defense. Okay, for me the top guy I went with Leatu Latu from UCLA because he was first in the Power Five in sacks with thirteen. Uh, had two picks, two forced fumbles, and he was the number one graded uh, player by Pro Football Focus defensively. For what that's worth. I also just had the two Texas guys on my ballot. Like they were you just loved like them all year. I freaks of well, who didn't? I mean, they were just yeah, they were. You, 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 I just kept going back and forth. Like I don't know which one of those guys is better. I don't know which one is like the NFL, the better NFL right. prospect. But just to me, different games or different moments of games, each of them flashed. Like I remember early in the season, I just thought it was like I didn't even realize there were two of them. I was like, oh my god, like <laughs> this is crazy. Yep. So the Golden Bro. For the Chuck Brodnarek Award goes to Leatu Latu. He he was he was good. I mean, he anchored that UCLA defense, which was actually a, a strength for Chip Kelly this year. Yeah, huge turnaround. All right, who deserves the Davy Brobrian Award for the nation's top quarterback? Didn't think about this one much. Jaden Daniels, no. LSU. Oh, I thought you were going Diego Pavia. Oh, thought about it. Thought about it. I mean. He did. He had some good off the field moments as well. So, but <laughs> Jane Daniels, eleven hundred yards rushing, eight point four yards per carry. So just that alone is like he's one of the best running backs in the country, right there. Really over a thousand yards, right? Yeah. Uh, but eleven point seven yards per pass attempt, forty touchdowns, four picks. 
Joe Burrow's Heisman year, he had 10.8 yards per pass attempt. So almost a full yard it's more per attempt for Jaden Daniels. Just every every year, it seems like, or every couple of years, some quarterback one-ups, at least statistically, you know, a previous quarterback when he didn't think it was possible. So um, obviously some of Joe Burrow's numbers were, were more impressive, but just an insane season. Nah, yeah, he he's easy choice. But Bo Nix, like... If it was any other year, he would have been probably the the runaway Heisman winner. You know, if they would have been just won, won that time, won as a nine point favorite on the Pac twelve title. Yeah, I know, but because like he he led the nation. He seventy seven and a half percent completion rate, fifty one total touchdowns to three picks. Like insane. Did it, what? And especially when you consider like kind of how far he's come those early first couple of years at Auburn, how much he's developed, and it's just remarkable so yeah and a lot of people talk about the fact that his average depth of target is is pretty mm-hmm. short but i looked at just his his deep passes compared to, to penix who i'm sure we both had third on our ballot yeah he was actually more efficient than than penix on on passes of of over 20 yards in the air higher completion percentage higher yards per attempt so yeah he had a lot of short ones but he he also completed the deep ball pretty well yep uh well so the golden bro for the davy bro brian goes to Jaden daniels lsu uh how about who deserves the golden bro for the nation's top running back what's the name of that we've already, is it doke walker broke broke walker we've the broke we've walker. before we might be, yeah i broke it's not a bad it actually is kind of perfect actually that <laughs> is it <laughs> yeah we're we're kind of bro, bro it works perfect breaking ankles uh, well, that too. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But um, yeah, so we've talked about Ollie Gordon. Um, he was he was number one on my list. He was only b- behind Blake Corum in, in terms of rushing touchdowns. But I did. There was a guy that I really liked this year, Ashton Jinty for Boise yeah. State. He was uh, in all scrimmage yards. He was second in the country among all running backs because he was huge in the passing game. He led all running backs with almost six hundred receiving yards, five receiving touchdowns, and he would truck some guys he was he was fun to watch late night games yeah yeah he uh he was he's awesome like he just has so many plays where you think he's getting tackled and he just yeah refuses to go down and just hurdles a guy or something like that so yeah he was good cody schrader was second on my ballot at missouri he was a big part of their yeah. surprise season um so but yeah ollie gordon was uh was my choice as well yeah so the golden bro for the nation's top running back, the broke walker goes to Ollie Gordon. All right. So who deserves the bro Litnikoff award for the nation's top receiver? Okay. So this was, I think among the list here, this was the first one that we had to go to the, uh, the patrons for. Yeah. Didn't I we? Believe. And we had to like double up on it too, right? Yeah, exactly. So, cause Tight. Trey and I, we each, you know, submitted a, a ballot of three. And we had the same three players in opposite order, so each of them got four points. So it was a three-way tie essentially for mm-hmm. for this award. So we had to go to the, the patrons. But so on my list, I had Malik Neighbors from LSU first. Um, you know, he was second in the nation to Roma Dunze from Washington in in receiving yards, but he played in two fewer games. Um, mm-hmm. And Pro Football Focus had him graded higher. So that's kind of those are what gave him the edge for me. Then, and we're splitting hairs with all these guys. Roma Doomsday second, and then I had Marvin Harrison Jr. third for Ohio State. But you were you were flipped. 
Well, yeah, and I, this one was probably my, the toughest for uh, I would might be it might have been the toughest for me. Um, I ended up saying Marvin Harrison, and I didn't want to. I really went into this not wanting to say him. Like I didn't want to just kind of go with the group think. Everyone says, oh, he's like the number one receiver for NFL. And but when I looked at it, he yeah, he was only tenth in the country with twelve hundred yards. But I, mine was like the eye test. Like when you watched mm-hmm. him, you could really tell he was al- almost always one of the best players on the field. And and the, and for Ohio State this year, they had for them average quarterback play. Uh, yeah, so he had the worst kind of quarterback fact, of these three. That was kind of the the tiebreaker I went with. It was like you said, it was really splitting hairs between those three guys. But that's why I and, went Harrison. And for Harrison, you saw what happened in the bowl game when they didn't have him. The yeah, offense. true. I, and and he still put up those numbers. Intact. He put up those numbers when going into this year, every defense in the country was going to like key on him, uh, and mm-hmm. so he was able to still be productive. But. But yeah, so so yeah, what well, we had to go obviously to... they were without McCord as well, but but still, oh, yeah, uh, in the game, right? So the uh, the golden bro for the bro Litnikoff as vo- oh yeah we well we had the the patrons vote among all three guys and there was a three way tie among all three of them so I was like <laughs> all right let's just go with my number one on my ballot versus number one on Trey's ballot and uh, the golden bro ended up going to Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, okay, well got the final nod. It was tight. It was tight. It was. Okay. Who deserves the Frank Broyles Award for the nation's top assistant coach? This was another one where there was a lot of guys I considered. Um, maybe it was a little recency bias, but I went with Jesse Minter, Michigan's defensive coordinator. Um, just the way, obviously, we talked about earlier, they stymied Alabama and Washington in the playoff. Um, but they they just they were they were just so good at all year long they just i don't i don't i don't have any more to say like they were just yeah. incredible from what i said earlier they're dominant and and they they don't have a bunch of five stars up and down that that defense they have talent but uh but for them to be the best in the country that's that's got to be some coaching there so who else that makes have? sense I, I got some other guys but who do you have number one on my list was uh I went with LSU's offense with Mike Denbrock, the guy oh, calling the plays yeah, he for was, yeah. what was, I think, kind of clearly the the best offense in the country. I gave gave him some credit for that. My second choice, who was actually my number one pick last year, was Kansas offensive coordinator Andy Kotelnicki, oh. of course, now at Penn State. But just because they were a borderline top 10 offense this year with, of course, Kansas not recruiting the best. And issues with injury at quarterback like it's just it's insane yeah. and the the creativity of the offense like maybe i should have voted him number one but he uh he just continues to impress me i mean i i can't see how that won't be a really successful hire for for james franklin yeah it's it's a great one um yeah some other guys that i didn't put number one i didn't want to put number one, mike bobo georgia offensive coordinator i just thought the way that they turned that offense into a strength um but they're so stacked it's like that wasn't so hard and then phil parker iowa's defensive coordinator he just does it year in and year out yeah you almost take it for granted i uh ucla defensive coordinator danton lynn huge turnaround there uh scott simons at smu their defense was really good uh but ultimately the patrons decided between mike denbrock and jesse minter and the frank broyles award goes to broyles excuse me jesse minter defensive coordinator for michigan michigan cleaning up here 
They really are. All right. So who deserves the home Debro award for the head coach of the year? Now this, I usually just go up uh, and look at surprise, my surprise teams. And cause there's a lot yeah, of yeah. overlap between that award and this award. And uh, so it's a lot of those coaches and I went uh, with the same team I went with surprise team. I went with Jerry Kill for New Mexico State. They're a program that usually wins two or three games a year. And so in year two for them to have them at 10 wins, just an amazing job. I had, this was not a surprise team, but I did have second on my list, Jim Harbaugh, just because I mean, the mentality of that team was clearly great. Like they had so many distractions. They used them all as motivators. They just seemed to they were on a mission this year and yeah. i feel like that's that's gotta at least start with with the head coach they clearly loved playing but for him as a podcast michael we have a what an eight game threshold he must coach in is that what it, <laughs> oh yeah good point good point. no he no was, but uh, i i totally agree i agree but uh and then david braun northwestern was also on my ballot yeah i like the way you you went about it i was more chalky um i had kaylin DeBoer just and it, it, it's kind of like a a two year award for me, just the way he took he took over a bad Washington program, and he was twenty five and three in his two years. Somehow, miraculously, went fourteen and zero into the national title. Um, you know that was just he and he. You know, we we've talked about it a lot over the the course of the year how they were fortunate to win close games, but you can attribute some of that to to his coaching. Like the, he had the guts to call some some gutsy fourth downs in their own territory that that went their way. So, and then Mike Norvell and Jed fish were also on my ballot. Just mm-hmm. Norvell was really able to build that program, brought in some key transfers, Jared first a couple years ago, Keon Coleman this year. It's one of those impossible awards. There's there so, many so many guys, great candidates, but uh, the, the patrons decided between Jerry kill and Kalen DeBoer and the golden bro for the home D bro award went to Kalen DeBoer, Washington. Jerry Kill got that. That was a snub. E me, e me. <laughs> what uh, e patrons? No, no. Uh, Kalen DeBoer. Uh, hard to argue against that. What was the game of the year for 2023? This one is fun to me every year to look back at some of these because um, mm-hmm. there's so many games. I'll I'll go with one though. I got um, 37. Uh, <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> I bet there were so many games like. It doesn't, it's not, it shouldn't be on the list, but like we talked about Arizona USC earlier this year was, insane. oh my God, I didn't even have that on the list. That was, I so wouldn't, fun. Have, actually, it was, it was not fun. I had no fun yeah, watching well, yeah, you were an SC fan, but like Caleb was a miracle maker in that, but whatever, oh, that's man. not one of our games. Um, or, the first Oregon Washington game to me was really awesome. Um, it really, mm-hmm. that game kind of, it was midway through the year, it really validated Washington that they were kind of pretty legit and it was just a back and forth game like Oregon they kept going for it on fourth down and and trying to score right before the half it wasn't working didn't but you know they they clung to it they ended up finally in the second half pulling ahead but then of course Penix you know found a Dunze of all people uh, with like a minute left to to take the lead and then Oregon missed a field goal at the end of the game but you had a field storming like that was pretty cool yeah that's true that's a good one I I had on my ballot. I had two Colorado games. I mean, I just any just, Colorado game in the first half of the year was great. I know, but okay. And I can't decide which one was better. But I went with Stanford, Colorado, 
as second on my ballot. Um, it was insane. Stanford was down 29 nothing six minutes into the third quarter. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. And they ended up coming back 29 nothing. They end up coming That's back crazy to win in double overtime. Um, just a just a crazy crazy game. And then the other one I had third on the ballot was Colorado Colorado State. That that one was really fun. Uh, that was yeah. I was watching that one because that was late. I was watching that on my phone. I think in bed. Both of those were again. really late. I said where I was when I was watching the game. <laughs> what were you wearing, Michael? Yeah, I didn't mean I almost made a joke about that when we brought up this category. Like, oh, am I going to say where I was? And I did. You you can't resist. But that was Norvell. Uh, Norvell was conservative once or twice. He in the, was. In the Colorado State should have had that. They were up, I think, eleven late in the game, and they. They, they were up eight, and they had a chance to ice it, I think, by going for it on a fourth There was down, a couple chances say. where he could have either, yeah, gone for two or gone for it fourth down. But, yeah. Anyway, Colorado came back, and Colorado won, and, yeah, in double overtime. So, But it was a great game. Yeah, the um, the Michigan-Alabama Rose Bowl was great. And the thing, the re- so I didn't have them number one. The reason I didn't was, obviously, the, the stakes were the highest, but like the first half was not really well played. Um, no, it wasn't. And then, yeah, like the fourth quarter was 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 good. There was a you know a turnover, but the fourth quarter, like the very end of the fourth quarter in overtime, was good. But kind of like leading up to that, it was just wasn't amazing. Yeah, but that uh, yeah, getting a in overtime, getting the fourth down, fourth and goal at the one or two or whatever it was for Alabama. That's pretty exciting for it's to go so to the ex- national. Yeah, time. well to keep the game going at least yeah um ou texas was, was that great was Dylan awesome gabriel the red river back. rivalry almost always delivers yep um pac-12 title was pretty good the rematch mm-hmm. missouri k-state was a great game uh we didn't realize oh that's you know, right really how good missouri yarder, was at right? that time so when the harrison beavis yeah uh texas k-state was also a very good game K-State felt like they should have had that one. That one, I believe it went overtime. Remember they went for it on like, at like the the five yards, at the the five yards. Did they, they went for, oh, no, he could have kicked a field goal and he went for it at like the five and it was a terrible play. (laughs) Yeah, it was one of those where I'm like, I wouldn't even do this. Usually coaches are too conservative, but I felt like Kleiman was too aggressive there. And I think, because I think their kicker had just, I don't know, it's tough to go by memory, but their kicker had just missed missed a, a short field goal yeah but he had also made like a long one earlier yeah i mean it's it's one kick so that was that was an odd decision for sure but it was a great yeah um should i do we do we say the other one or we We can get to the well do you have what else um i didn't uh i mean number one on my list i saved it because that's that's the winner so yeah i mean i think mean yeah well you had it number one what was it well okay the golden bro for the game of the year goes to Alabama at Auburn. Just the ending. Just fourth and goal from 31. Come on. I know. That's, and it was even earlier in the game, it was kind of back and forth. You didn't know. Yeah. You thought, and then you thought, yeah, you thought Auburn had it. There was like the muff punt too right before the whole thing, but mm-hmm. fourth and 31. I mean, what unbelievable. Crazy. And, at, and at the time, of course, it's keeping Alabama. I mean, it did. It could, that's what yeah. got them into the playoff. Yeah, it was <laughs> unbelievable. The, the chain of events that that it, you think about that, if they don't get it, they go to the SEC championship still, though. Georgia, 
might have ended up winning that game. And like Georgia could have won the national title. It's just it's just crazy how much that one play could have changed mm-hmm. the total outcome of the the rest of the season. So wild. But that's always a fun category. There's probably some other games we missed, of course. Oh, for sure. There's a ton every week. Uh, the who should take home the highly coveted Heisbro Award for the nation's most outstanding player? Diego Pavia. Yeah, Diego Pavia was fourth on my ballot, but the I, I had the same order as the Davy Bro Brian. Uh, yep. I, you know, I went with quarterbacks: Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. Yep, we've we've talked about all those guys, but I was the exact same. So the Heisbro goes to Jaden Daniels, LSU. One of the best seasons you will ever see. Who deserves the award for the honorary fourth bro of 2023? We're we're kind of selfish with the, this one. We we kind of alternate years on. Yes, well, the, I this year the pop tart was a was a contender. Ooh, you know what? Was Is that more second. worthy no. than my than my newborn son? It might be. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't that's... think so. Yeah, the, that's true. The pop tart. Did you see that? By the way, so their branding, their marketing was fantastic. Did you see their their like their commercial or whatever mm-hmm. their their video of it's a, a it's two, there's a two in every pack. Yeah, there's a second. Yeah, there's a second pop tart. That's so great. So they're coming they're back. back next I year. didn't know if they were going to run it back, but that's awesome that they're coming back. Um, but yeah, so the golden bro though for the honorary fourth bro goes to. My my second son Brooks Brooks Newman gets the nod. All right, love it. He's he literally is crying, so he he, oh, really? he wants to chime in for this award, but emotional. Wow, <laughs> he really is That's great. All right, um, so let's get to uh, just some some quick ones. Uh, I will start us off here with the Diaper Dandy Award the tr- for true freshmen. So the, the nominees are Ruben Bain. Miami defensive lineman, nine and a half tackles for loss, led all true freshmen in, in, with 42 pressures. Dylan Thieneman, Purdue safety, 106 tackles, was second in, in the nation with six interceptions. Uh, and Caleb Downs now might be transferring to Alabama safety, just a stud, uh, 99 tackles, had a couple picks. But the winner of the Diaper Dandy Award is Kevin Concepcion, NC State's wide receiver. He led all true freshmen in the key categories, 64 catches, 767 yards, and 10 touchdowns. All right. Yeah, it was big that they were able to hold on to him. He'll be back next year. Um, Next award, the best stat line of the year. And the runners-up are at quarterback, Jaden Daniels. Versus Georgia State, 509 combined passing and rushing yards, eight touchdowns. Bo Nix against Arizona State. I think these games were the same weekend, if I remember right. 404 yards, six touchdowns, zero picks. Uh, At running back, we had Ray Davis, Kentucky, 26 carries, 280 yards, three touchdowns against Florida. Antario Brown, Northern Illinois, 13 carries, 280 yards, four touchdowns against Akron. That's that's crazy. 21.5 yards per carry. (laughs) Just insane. Wide receiver, we've got Alec Iomanner from Stanford in in that Colorado game. Had 13 catches, 294 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, We had Gage Larvadan uh, from Miami of Ohio. 
eight catches, 273 yards, and three touchdowns against UMass. So that's 34.1 yards per reception. <laughs> that's okay. That's pretty good. Defensively, just two more here. Javon Solomon for Troy, four sacks against UL- ULM. And then Antoine Powell Ryland for Virginia Tech had four sacks, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery against Wake Forest. But the winner of the best stat line of the year, easy pick, Jaden Daniels, LSU against Florida. 372 passing yards, three touchdowns, no picks. And then on the ground, 12 carries for 234 yards, two touchdowns. He was the first FBS quarterback ever to have 350 passing yards and 200 rushing yards in the same game. Not Brad Smith, not Khalil Tate, not Tim Tebow, Jaden Daniels. Very impressive. That was pretty insane. All right. Play of the year. Not Jeff Sims. Unfortunately. Play of the year. Another fun category that we have. Uh, Some of the nominees are Alec Ayomanor that you just mentioned from Stanford. Mm -hmm. His in that overtime game against Colorado, he had a 30 yard touchdown um, in the, the very first play of that third overtime or of that overtime. He caught the ball over Travis Hunter's head, yeah. pinned it behind his helmet, and he run he ran backwards with Travis Hunter, Travis Hunter for the last five yards. It was it was awesome. He punked incredible. It. Yeah, he did. Um we had a Hail Mary. Houston's Donovan Smith had that 49-yard Hail Mary against West Virginia to win on the last play of the game. That game was crazy because yeah. West Virginia had just scored that long bomb with like 12 seconds to go. There's another game of the year we didn't even mention. Yeah, that's it was that was insane. Um, Kobe Bryant of Kansas, he absolutely just trucked a BYU receiver on an end around. He forced the fumble as well, picked it up, ran for a touchdown, did it all. But we had a pretty easy winner here. Uh, the play of the year is from the Iron Bowl. Jalen Milrow, Isaiah Bond, fourth and goal from the 31 <laughs> to win the game. All right. The G5smen of 2023. The uh, runners-up were Joey Aguilar, App State at quarterback, along with Seth Hennigan from Memphis. Uh, running back, we had Kamani Vidal from Troy, Ashton Genty from Boise State, Penny Boone at Toledo, who had I think 7.2 yards per carry this year. Uh, receiver Ricky White from UNLV. Mm-hmm. And then on defense, Javon Solomon from Troy led the nation in sacks. Jalen Green, JMU, like I said, second in the nation in sacks despite only playing nine games. But the winner of the G5sman was Caden Salter, quarterback for Liberty. 32 touchdowns, six picks on 9.9 yards per pass attempt. Also had over 1,000 yards rushing, 6.7 yards per carry and 12 touchdowns and led them to an undefeated season did have a very easy schedule but still he's uh he was great and even against oregon it's like completely outmatched not the worst game you know he right he, he, he did okay yeah and they they ponied up to keep him out of the portal did you i don't know if you mentioned that but they did uh all right moving on upset of the year so some of the nominees are miami was a 19.5-point favorite over Georgia Tech. Miami was 4-0, number 17 at the time. Mario didn't kneel. Oh, man. So oh. They, ended, they ended up I just fumbling. Can't, I, you can't. Every time you think about that, it's oh. just it's the worst. I'm so glad I was not a Miami fan for that because oh. it doesn't get worse. You no, have the game one. And it's and actually, when you think about it, so they're 4-0 at the time. They'd be, they would have been 5-0. That 
so Haynes King obviously ends up, they get the fumble. Haynes King ends up having the long bomb at the end of the game to win. Like that changed the tra- trajectory of Miami season too. They would have been five and oh, top 15, totally different mindset. Instead, yeah. they just kind of, they kind of petered out a little bit. So that, that was a big upset. Um, at the very beginning of the year, the world was going crazy. Colorado was a 20 and a half point dog to TCU. Mm-hmm. At the time, we obviously didn't know that they both teams would end up kind of sucking, but it was <laughs> it was still big upset at the time. Got the the Dion hype train rolling. Virginia was a twenty three and a half hundred point underdog at North Carolina. They were one and five. North Carolina was six and zero, oh, top ten, but Virginia pulled that one out. But the Golden Bro for upset of the year goes to Texas State. They were a twenty seven and a half point dog at Baylor. They won by 11, too. It wasn't even in doubt. It was their first win over a Power 5 team. G.J. Kinney, that was one of his first games, got the got it rolling. T.J. Finley was awesome in that game. You were uh, you had Baylor Moneyline in that game, didn't you? I did. I was all in. Yeah. You I'm and still... Steve Fezzik were on that one, I think. <laughs> uh, okay. Final award here. My favorite award. The Art Sitkowski Award for the Worst Passing Stat Line of the year (laughs) and you know what it this was much more difficult for me to find because the college football play index from sports reference gone it's oh no oh no i know so that's bad i know i mean i would have been willing to pay for it if they you know kept it around interesting but anyway so i i did the best i could here i could be missing a Mm -hmm. bad game if anybody has a worse one please i uh, this is not sometimes you just say hey send us an email send us a tweet just yeah. as a something to say but i mean it like i want to know if there's something worse than this but here were uh some some runners up trexler ivy which is a very um millennial name uh <laughs> charlotte like a millennial parent name um charlotte against memphis uh he was so yeah he plays for charlotte 14 for 25 168 yards zero touchdowns four picks we had Chris Parson for Mississippi State against Texas A&M. Five for 12, 36 yards, zero touchdowns, three picks. <laughs> then here's one that maybe should have won, but I didn't have him winning. Carlos Del Rio Wilson for Syracuse against Boston College. Seven for 17, 37 yards, zero touchdowns, four picks. Oh, so gosh. That's like barely over two yards per attempt, four picks. Not great. Uh, Braylon Braxton, also another uh, millennial name. Uh, for Tulsa against Arkansas Pine Bluff, one for four, nine yards, and two picks. <laughs> and then also any of Jeff Sims' games were. Uh, I was going to say he was nominees just here. a machine. Turn yeah, on. there's there there were a lot of lot of choices here, but yeah. the winner of the Art Sitkowski Award is Ben Britton of Air Force against Hawaii, and oh no, he just wins for efficiency because he only attempted two passes, and they were both interceptions. And he also has zero rushing, zero rushing yards, so it's not like he was. Oh uh, wow, you know. for an Air Force QB. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry to do it to uh, you know a service academy team, but he earned it. He earned it. He two did. for two. He did. So thank you for listening to this episode of the College Football Bros. Uh, congrats to to all of the winners, and uh, let us know if you found a worst quarterback stat line. Other than that, we will talk to you next week.